And welcome back to the 17th episode of the very unofficial AICP Study Guide podcast. I am Jonathan Miller, and thank you so much for joining us. We are picking up today with the experience essays, which are now a separate part of certification altogether, i.e. not part of the application. That said, if you got your applications in on time to submit the essays, that was January 19th, by the way, then starting on February 9th, you can start submitting essays for expedited review. And what does that mean? Well, that means that if they reject any of your essays, you will be able to make corrections and send it back in. Of course, that's a little bit more expensive, but, you know, it is what it is. In this episode, Shane and Alex from Planning Certification are here to help offer some insight into these essays. They've been working with applicants by reviewing their essays to make sure they're accepted, so they know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. Anyways, without further ado... So Shane and Alex, thank you for joining me again. Uh, what have you guys been doing lately? We're really just what getting people to? ready to take the May 2021 exam. So we're excited to see all the new applicants getting through the process. I know. it's uh, It's been a whirlwind. It's nice that they actually sort of pushed back the deadlines for all those things uh, and actually separated out the essays from the actual application process uh i kind of like how they did that um but yeah so uh thanks for helping me you know sort through all of the essays it uh it looks like the questions are pretty much the same um but i remember when i was going through it i actually did pretty poorly on it uh and i actually had to appeal mine so we'll go through these sort of systematically uh just to help everyone keep it straight so the first essay on the list, Criterion 1, as they refer to it, asks us to, and actually this is the one that I had to appeal, uh, demonstrate a professional level of responsibility and resourcefulness while applying a planning process appropriate to the project or situation. Uh, what would you guys recommend as a a, a good way to approach so this I would, particular we're one. We're kind of part of all of our day-to-day -day work, but it can be overwhelming to read a question like that and know where to begin. So we recommend pulling up the planning process, and that's intuitive to our day-to-day -day work. It's collecting data, analyzing that data, reaching out to stakeholders, developing and selecting alternatives, and then implementing all of those alternatives that you selected. So if you could see the planning process in front of you, you can kind of think of a project that fits into that method and start just fleshing out in your answer how you collected that data, how you analyzed that data, how you developed alternatives, and so on and so on throughout each step. So are there any are there any big no-nos to that? Or is there anything that people should really, you know, try to point out when they're doing it? I know when I did it, uh, that was actually the one that I had to appeal. And I think it was because I didn't explain things enough, but uh, I'm, I'm not Yep, so the biggest sure. part that catches people is that they assume that because the review committee is made up of planners, they don't really get into the nitty gritty of what those steps are. So our biggest recommendation to new applicants is kind of pretend that you're writing to non-planners and explain every little detail because that's what the review committee is looking for. They want to see how resourceful and professional you are. So instead of using big umbrella terms like I 
research the data. Tell us how you did the research. Did you pull up GIS data? Did you do surveys? You know, get into the nitty gritty because that really helps the review committee see that you're a good planner. Mm -hmm. And in the part of developing alternatives, don't just tell us you developed alternatives. Tell us why you selected alternatives, um, that type of thing. And I think people get caught up on this one because of the vagueness or kind of the broadness of the of the question itself. But I think most practicing planners, this kind of fits into what we do on the day to day. You just have to kind of take a step back and realize that most of the projects we work on use some sort of planning process. And so I think most everyone who's applying for the exam is equipped to answer this question pretty soundly. It's just wrapping their head around the way they ask it. So Criterion 2 asks us uh, to evaluate multiple impacts to a community when implementing professional planning tasks. Uh, I want to say when I when I filled mine out, I used a sub area plan uh, that I was part of. Uh, but how would you recommend? So that any type of project that improves the quality of life, and the one the thing that catches people on Criterion too is that a lot of planning can tend to be aspirational. Like, of course, we want to improve somebody's quality of life by improving accessibility or affordable housing or providing them food access, whatever those broad aspirational values are. But this question is saying, how did you evaluate those impacts? So how did you truly determine that that project would improve the quality of life? How did you determine that it would improve it at all instead of just keep things status quo? And you certainly don't want to pick a project that would negatively impact the community. This is strictly speaking on an improvement and positive consequences. Is there anything that you think people should try and focus on for this particular one? Like specifically? I think as long as you can uh, express why you think it's improving quality of life. So, you know, if you're talking about improving food access, for an example, that may make sense to planners by just saying that one simple line. But the review committee wants to see how you evaluated that that would improve food access. So did you improve food access in a food desert? So that was a nutritional source that those communities did not have, you know, to begin with. Did you provide them a food option closer to home so they don't have to drive as far or take the bus as far? So all of those things are improving quality of life and you want to flesh out the true realities of why you're improving someone's quality of life as opposed to just saying like, of course, by putting this grocery store in this community, you know, duh, it improved food access. <laughs> right. You want to get into the evaluation. How look evaluate the existing conditions and how did your intervention improve those conditions for that community? Yeah, that's a really good point. All right. So the the last one, uh, which uh, when I took it, uh, I had worked for municipal planning and I did plenty of staff reports. So this one was pretty easy for me to write. Uh, I think it might be more difficult for people who aren't in the public sector, but uh, Criterion 3 asked for an example of influencing public decision-making in the public interest. So what would be some things to look for for that particular essay? So I think that you're spot on that anyone who presents to any type of board on a day-to-day -day basis is going to have it a bit easier to answer this question. But I think even as private planners, we influence the public interest all the time. So for this one, you definitely want to pick a project that had an affirmative decision. So you don't want them to decide in a way that countered your opinion or recommendation. And you want to basically, the gist for this question is saying, without your work, 
the board could not have made that decision. So you have to really emphasize how your value, your input, your research led to the board making a great decision for the community. So in private planning, that happens by you know developing reports that then we pass on to our clients and the clients then present that to the board. So you have developed this amazing plan that made it easy for the municipal planner to present that and get it passed. It, we kind of cut out the middleman when you're a local planner because you're the person then presenting it to a board. Yes. Okay. So then you can, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to phrase this. So for, I, don't know, I guess like lack of a better word, instead of looking at it in terms of how you directly speak to a planning commission or a board, you can sort of refer to, uh, you know, what the linchpin points were that you had in a report that ended up in full. That's right. Yeah. So it's more about the work, the research, the analysis that you did. How did that influence the decision? And that could happen by way of a report um, or, or directly as a presentation or speaking to the board. Um, so it's really just about how your work influenced that decision and that could come in, in, in different ways. Yeah, and anticipating what boards need is also a really good uh, part to include here. So if you happen to know that one councilwoman, let's say, is obsessed with crosswalks and safe crossings to schools and your project involves that kind of thing, anticipating that you have included the data report of the amount of crosswalks or where the crosswalks will be, like that type of resourcefulness, that anticipation, that is a great planner influencing the public interest because if you can satisfy that council member's concerns and then get a board approval, well, then you did your job. Okay. So I know you guys have done a lot of helping people with their uh, individual essay responses. What, what have you seen in terms of some really common mistakes that people make that you would recommend to yeah, so sort of avoid? You're right. We have been helping people with their responses. We actually offer the one-on-one uh, application essay review service where we help people craft these responses. And I think a lot of times we see people, um, especially in for Criterion 1, but really throughout... Um, using using language that speaks to the team they're working on because as planners most of the things that we work on is collaborative and we're usually a part of a broader team um, but when answering these questions the review board when they're reviewing your essays want to hear about your experience and your input um, your research and so it can be kind of hard for planners to do that it's a weird it's a weird way to write it sounds a little bit um, lacking a little bit of humbleness but that's what they want to see. They want you to be specific about your contributions. And so we see a lot of people when they start out kind of writing, well, our team developed this report or we researched this and even just simply changing that phrasing to I, my input was this or I did this is a bit is will provide a lot of value to them as they're reviewing your responses. Okay. Uh, and then one more Thing that I, I, to be honest, I have no idea if other people <laughs> deal, deal with this issue or not. Uh, I know I did, so I imagine someone else does too. So when I was doing it, I read the guides and they said to elaborate on things and say this, say that. So I started to do that. I actually found it the opposite, I think, of what some people do or would assume going into it. I had a really difficult time keeping it under 500 words, right? Because I know there's the 500 word limit. To be honest, I don't know how strict they are on the 500 word limit or not. 
I had an extremely difficult time just trying to keep it under like a thousand, right? Trying to get to my point quickly. Like I had a difficult time keeping it uh, succinct, I guess. Is there is there anything, is there any way that you could sort of like, any advice that you would give people in terms of how they can sort of Yeah, I think one, the word count, like these are called essays, so that really throws people off. But if you just start writing, you will realize that you get over 500 words, I think more so than not reaching 500 words. And it is easy to kind of cut the meat. So one is making sure that you are answering the question properly, that your answers are directly answering the question. So you can read it and say like, oh, does this show me being resourceful and professional? Well, if it doesn't, then you can strike it. There's also things like contractions. Like you can say can't instead of cannot, and that helps. Instead of saying things like in order to, you can just say to. There's kind of these grammatical tips that we help through in our application and essay review service that helps really kind of cut that fat. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for joining me and giving some tips on this. I know the essay section of the, well, now certification process, not application, uh, can be daunting to a lot of people. So I know I know this is going to end up being extremely helpful. The best thing to do is just start. And you'll realize that you, when you're in it, it seems sometimes that you haven't had the work experience to answer the questions properly. But if you step back, all of these questions are in our day-to-day planning jobs just by being a planner. So it's really just trying to find that perfect project that answers the criterion properly. Yep, I know. I had uh, That was one of the things I ran into, too. I had a, a difficult time trying to come up with three different ones because I don't believe you can duplicate. Uh, That's right. Yeah, you can't, you, you can't uh, double dip, I guess, for lack of a better word. You can use the same job, but you have to use a different project. All right. Well, thank you guys for taking the time. Of course. Thank Thank you you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Hey, anytime. Well, thanks again for joining us. The essays can be a bit much, but hopefully some of these tips will be able to help you out some. If you haven't already, go on and visit AICPExam.com. It is an awesome resource for study guides. And you can look into planning certifications, essay review service. Uh, It helps to make sure you don't get a rejected response and have to go through the appeals process. And links to that and the APA's guide to essay responses can be found in the show notes or on the podcast website. As always, if you have any questions that you want to follow up on, feel free to reach out to me at the very unofficial AICP study guide at gmail.com, and I will do my best to help out if I can. Or you can try to reach out to your local chapter's professional development officer. That's what they are there for. Uh, And please, pretty please, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use for podcasts. And feel free to sign up on the show's website so you can follow along with future episodes, help prepare for the exam, and supplement all of your other study regimens. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So go ahead and share this out with any planners you know who might be interested and leave a review to make sure that the algorithms send this content out in front of the people who could use it the most. Make sure you tune in next week. We will pick up where we left off and also close out the topic of tenements with the New York State Tenement House Law and then the subsequent founding of the New York Committee on the Congestion of Population. If you need a refresher on the tenements, go back to episodes 9 and 12. Thanks again, everyone. Till next time.